Today, the Supreme Court passed its long-awaited decision in Dobbs v. Jackson overturning Roe v. Wade and laying the groundwork for many United States states to pass bans on abortion. With me to talk about this is my colleagues Ben Bayer and Augustina Vigera Sid, and I'm Don Watkins, Director of Mentoring at the Ayn Rand Institute. So I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today is mostly ARI's plans to respond to this. But Ben, maybe you can start by setting some context with what is Ayn Rand's position on abortion and why did she and why do we regard it as not just a right, but a really important right to protect? Ayn Rand was a vocal supporter of abortion rights. The Ayn Rand Institute has followed her lead and we have defended them from the foundation of the Institute. We defend them on uh, grounds of uh, the individual's right to her life and to pursue her happiness. And as such, there is, there is an absolute right to abortion in objectivism's view. The fetus does not have rights. It's not an actual person. It's a potential person. The woman is the, is the only actual individual in this question whose rights exist and matter. So uh, we've been we've been vocal about this. I've written a number of articles on the issue recently. We've been seeing this decision coming. The leak at the beginning of May made it pretty clear that Roe was going to be overturned. Our fears have been confirmed this morning. I think it's a dark day for uh, human liberty in America because this is really a a flagrant violation of individual rights that these state laws will impose now uh, in, I think, uh, 13 plus states uh, in the United States. Now, uh, I'm curious as to your initial reactions to this. And Augustina, maybe you can talk about this. You have an op you had an op-ed recently in the Orange County Register when the initial opinion was um, published before, uh, or leaked rather. And maybe you could describe sort of your initial reaction to the outcome, if not the reasoning, which I don't think any of us have yet had time to fully digest. That's right, Don. I haven't had time to read the actual decision. I did read the the, the leaked draft uh, back in the beginning of May. But my initial reaction is this is, like Ben said, this is a sad, sad day for America. America, I think, is un-American in right now in, in the Supreme Court has been un-American in its decision to overturn uh, Roe v. Wade and stop protecting uh, abortion rights at the federal level. And I, my reaction is just, I cannot believe this is happening in the America that I left everything behind to come uh, live in. Uh, this is just, I, th I, I think abortion rights, as I argue in the op-ed you mentioned, is an aspect of the pursuit of happiness for a woman. It means because the pursuit of happiness means the right to make your own choice, choice using your own judgment and living your life in your own terms while respecting the rights in others, right? And the fact that if I personally would become accidentally pregnant and I don't want to be pregnant, the fact that the Supreme Court is telling me, well, you don't have a right to pursue your own happiness anymore if you become pregnant or we'll leave it up to the opinion of the states. It depends where you live in, whether you have a right to pursue your happiness or not. That is extremely offensive to me. And I think it's a huge blow for freedom. And I don't think this is gonna 
this is not going to have the result that these people think it's going to have. What's going to happen is women are going to keep seeking abortions in red states where abortion is going to be banned. And those abortions are going to be extremely unsafe and their lives will be at risk. I have seen it. I come from a country where abortion was illegal until just two years ago. And I've seen women have to go through these decisions. And it's the scariest, most horrible thing that a woman can one of the most horrible things that a woman can go through. So the fact that that is happening in America, that is just heartbreaking to me. It's outraging. It's sad. It's it's a lot. It's it's extremely just disappointing to say the least. Ben, what about you? What was your reaction? I mean, this wasn't unexpected, I think. And yet, I think, at least for me personally, the reality of it, that this has actually happened now, um, it, it made a very significant impact. How about you? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, I, I live in Texas, and this is a state where there are trigger laws on the books, which means that in the event that Roe is overturned, that means abortion is illegal. It doesn't mean that there's a very restrictive law where you can only get it at a you know, very short, uh, short way into pregnancy. It means it's illegal entirely. And it, it, so it will be probably within weeks enforced that way in the state of Texas, which is a very big state. And uh, it's a long travel to get out of the state to, to a nearby state where, where it will be legal. Uh, New Mexico and Illinois are the closest. So it, I'm not a woman. I don't uh, need this myself, but uh, I've, I've known many women uh, for whom abortion was uh, life-saving in, in, in the sense that matters, in the sense of life that matters. Life isn't just a heartbeat, either for a fetus or for a woman. Human life is much more than that. And when, when a woman can't control her reproductive capacities, when she is in effect forced uh, to give birth, forced into labor or forced to uh, has, suffer surgery, that, that, is a, that is involuntary servitude. And that, that's part of why I said earlier that this is, this is, a, this is a really serious and flagrant violation of individual rights. It's, it's not just like your, uh, uh, you know, the kind of economic regulations that many of us are also concerned with where you have to plan your life differently and you shouldn't have to do that, but this is a direct infringement on your bodily autonomy. And there've been a lot of people who in recent weeks and months have been objecting to vaccine mandates on grounds of bodily autonomy, invoking the my body, my choice idea. And I, I agree with them. I think vaccine mandates are an infringement on bodily autonomy. But if you had to compare the two, vaccine mandates versus abortion bans, which of the two is the greater violation of bodily autonomy? Hands down, it's an abortion ban. When someone's, and, and by the way, we haven't actually had real vaccine mandates in this country. There've, there've been uh, controls, that, there've been conditions that, that uh, companies put on it. There's been talk of imposing them at the federal level. It hasn't happened, but when it does happen, you have a, you know, you have to deal with a, uh, a shot, uh, which happens for a minute. And there's a few, there, there might be side effects, but if you're talking about 
being forced to give birth. You're talking about carrying a, a, a body, another body in your body for nine months. And you're talking about then undergoing what amounts to a kind of physical torture uh, if you go into labor. And that, if you don't want to do that, a woman who doesn't want to have a child, that is, that's torture. And this is, this is a flagrant violation of liberty, uh, all in the name of the alleged life of the fetus or the embryo. Uh, it is not a life in a human sense, not in the sense of uh, a being with, uh, th that can act autonomously, think for itself, make choices. That's the kind of life that rights, that individual rights are there to protect. And that's the kind of life the woman has. And that's the kind of life that's being torn away from her by these, these bans that are about to be imposed. Yeah, and I think that helps flesh out the point we started with, with why Ayn Rand regarded this as such an important issue. I think it's like it's for her, it was a deal killer indeed for voting in for I mean, candidates in general, but for Ronald Reagan in particular, she had some really fascinating comments. And I mean, you know, it's for her it was I think a deal killer in two senses. One is that it is such an important right for a woman. And two, that she thought the issue, certainly in the very early stages of a pregnancy, was so clear cut that you couldn't rationally conclude that, you know, a handful of cells is a human being with rights that justifies treating a woman this way. Um, Augustina, when you publish your column and you've talked about this and, and about the way in which this really is a core aspect of protecting a woman's right to the pursuit of happiness, what's the kind of response you've generally gotten to it, either favorable or critical? Well, uh, it was divided. Of course, the people that are against abortion are usually more vocal. Uh, I've been called names, uh, you know, like baby killer, which is obviously not true. First of all, because a fetus or an embryo is not a baby. Uh, but they are like, well, the responses were like, well, but you should uh, be, people should be responsible for their actions. There's contraceptives. Well, you know what? You don't know how contraceptives work and you don't know how the, the toll that they take on a woman. You don't know that they are not efficient 100% of the time. They're not bulletproof. There's so much ignorance going on. They're also got the, 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 the classic, well, if you, you can just go, go through with the pregnancy and then just keep the baby up for adoption. Well, like Ben said, that is forced labor. That is forcing a woman to carry a fetus in her womb for nine months. And that is nothing. I mean, that is really, really extremely taxing psychologically and it's extremely taxing physically with consequences that could last a lifetime. Not to mention the, the, the whole nine months that are torture because of hormonal reasons, emotional reasons for all kinds of reasons and financially too. So I have not encountered a good faith argument that actually takes into account a woman's happiness and her right to pursue her happiness. It's just all about, well, you should have thought about it before, or well, there's this solution. You can just give it up for adoption. That's not how, that's not how rights work. And I, I am just shocked at the level of ignorance that I've seen in the responses um, and the hatred for not just 
women in the in the sense that oh well you have to carry that pregnancy but in the fact that there's the or the argument that says like well you should have thought that before you had sex well you hate sex you hate a woman being happy you hate that fundamental aspect of a woman's life life and and and, and a way to pursue her happiness which is to engage in sexual relationship with a partner that she deems appropriate so I have not encountered one single argument that actually takes the woman as a as the actual human being that matters here into account. So, I mean, given the importance we place on this issue, and given the fact that I think um, all of us would agree that the right to abortion has not been well defended. In fact, Ben, before I um, move to a discussion of sort of what ARI's plans are on this issue, one last thing I'd like you to comment on at least briefly, is um, the fact that we th think this is a crucial right and we're happy that Roe versus Wade um, protected that right for a long time. Um, there was always an acknowledgement from Ayn Rand from the beginning and from objectivists since that the reasoning behind Roe versus Wade was um, not something we solidly endorsed. Maybe you can say a little bit about, uh, at least as a preview for what you'll be talking about in the days and weeks to come, what made this so vulnerable? Yes, the, the reasoning in Roe, which I've read, is at best mixed. And that's at best. It's, on the one hand, at, in various places, it, it argues that the, the right to abortion falls out of the right to personal liberty that's enshrined by the 14th Amendment, among others. And that, that's, that's when it's at its best. But when, when it's at its worst is when it uh, is the way that it then implements that, uh, that idea into law. It says, well, on the one hand, the government has an interest in preserving and protecting personal liberty. But on the other hand, it has an interest in potential life. And it takes for granted that these are just interests that the state has. And then it's a question of how does the state balance these interests? And it picks an arbitrary, basically arbitrary way of balancing them by saying, uh, well, well, we think that the, the woman's interest in liberty is adequately protected if she's able to do it within the first two trimesters. Thereafter, states have the right to impose whatever restrictions they want. Uh, the way that that balancing decision has been implemented in law and in subsequent jurisprudence has continued to erode the, uh, the right as it was originally defended in Roe. Um, notably in Planned Parenthood v. Casey, the criteria was changed to, well, uh, as long as a law doesn't put an undue burden on a woman's right, then it's then it's okay, even if it's before the uh, the third trimester. So, the whole framework of thinking of this in terms of states' interests, uh, and where liberty is just one among many interests that the state has, this is, I think, one of the major ways in which uh, the the decision did not it did not it was not based on a uh, fundamentally pro-American view of individual rights. And the fact that it's now been repealed because of that concession is, I think, not a big surprise. The, the, the left, which is traditionally the defender of abortion rights in America, doesn't really share the fundamental 
uh, American idea of individual liberty. And so they are, they're, uh, they're the worst side of the, pol the political spectrum you could imagine to have to then try to defend abortion rights. Abortion rights are essentially an individual right, which the left has uh, repudiated in every other area of its uh, policy program. Uh, on top of that, the left, of course, is a champion of the morality of self-sacrifice. Uh, that's why they think uh, business people don't deserve to keep their profits, why they should give them up and uh, we should soak the rich with taxes. And so when they try to defend uh, the idea the woman has the right to abortion to pursue her own happiness, that they, they, they don't have a moral premise from which to reason. They're, they don't have a, a leg to stand on. And it's part of the reason why I think their defense of abortion rights has been so tepid. Uh, and I mean that when we talk about their intellectual defense. They're, they're plenty good at yelling and screaming slogans and protesting outside of justices' homes. But when it comes to actually making an argument that could actually change people's minds on this subject, finding common ground on basic American principles, they have nothing. And it's no surprise they've lost. And that's the one thing that does give me optimism with the, my optimism comes from the fact of there have not been good arguments that the public has really been exposed to and i think that's why we regard it as so important to really take on this issue and so um ben maybe give us a preview um, i think the next thing that's going to happen next week is that you Yaron brook who's the chair of the board of directors of the iron institute and then our lead intellectual on cargate are going to talk about the decision and presumably the dissents and help us really delve much deeper into this issue. Yeah, I've got I've got uh, 200 pages uh, of it right here printed up and I'm reading it as we speak. And uh, we didn't want to go into it too much today because we haven't actually read it. We read the, the previous version, but we want to see, you know, are there any differences? Have, have there been any changes made? And yes, what what do the what do the dissents say? I'm expecting not to be very impressed by the dissents, but we'll see. Uh, the plan is to currently to do that on Wednesday, the usual, uh, a little bit earlier in the day than our usual uh, podcast, but stay tuned for that uh, ep regular episode of New Ideal with your own Ankar and me. We'll have read this decision. We'll be analyzing it. We'll tell you what's in it, what's what's bad about it, if there's anything that's uh, that's good in the dissent. That's the first plan. So stay tuned for that. Uh, the... The second major thing to talk about is, uh, is of course, uh, the book that we recently released on this subject. Um, this is uh, Why the Right to Abortion is Sacrosanct. Um, you can get this on Amazon for very inexpensive. It's a, it's a, it's a short, accessible book. Uh, just uh, go to amzn.to slash 3yilsrv, or just type uh, Why the Right to Abortion is Sacrosanct into your Amazon search engine. Uh, you can get it in Kindle for very cheap, uh, a, a paper copy for like $5, I think. We're basically uh, basically selling this at cost just so that it's easily distributable. And uh, we're working on getting uh, some media opportunities to talk more about the ideas in this book. But in the, in the book, uh, these are all my essays. We'll be expanding it in the future. It, I basically give the kinds of arguments that I think actually can change people's minds from these basic American premises, uh, because the minds that need to be changed on this are the minds of people who are, shall we say, right of center, uh, who value uh, American individual liberty, and who need to be shown that this is actually, that 
that the that the abortion rights are an aspect of individual liberty and ban on abortion rights is a flagrant violation of American principles. I also don't just talk about why abortion should be a right. I don't just explain why it's not murder. I also talk at length about why it's actually a morally good choice. Uh, most of the time for many of the women who make it that if you think that there's something morally admirable about someone pursuing their own happiness and using the courage and integrity that it takes to do that, that very often the choice to have an abortion is a morally admirable thing. That's something else that the left typically doesn't do when it defends abortion. At most, it will say, well, abortion should be permissible. Uh, it should be a right. But, you know, as I think Hillary Clinton said, it should be uh, safe, uh, available, but rare. And that is not at all the objectivist pr uh, perspective on this issue, not the perspective that I use in this book. And that's part of what makes it distinctive. Thanks, Ben. Um, yeah, and I really encourage people, if you're feeling frustrated or outraged right now, like I certainly am, the, um, the most practical thing you can do is help promote better ideas and better arguments, because that's the only thing that's actually going to lead to any sort of long-term enduring change in a positive way. And so I certainly encourage people to get a copy or multiple copies of Ben's book. And um, if you have read it, leave a review at Amazon. This is one of the most important ways that you can actually help promote the book, aside from just giving it to people that you think uh, would be open to hearing the arguments. And Ben mentioned that, yes, it's you need to persuade people right of center. But as he, we also indicated, um, people who are left of center but really genuinely value this right, they need better arguments as well. And so giving them that kind of intellectual ammunition, I think can be a really powerful tool. And though this seems like an issue where people can't be persuaded, I know that, um, I, I mean, I know some people, and I think Ben, you were one of them, like who have changed their mind on this issue. And uh, there's nothing magical about it that prevents us from succeeding with better arguments. One final activity I one, that I want to mention. That, oh, please, Ben just that part of the reason why changing minds is so important is that, I mean, you don't have a major Supreme Court precedent over uh, overruled very frequently. This is a 50-year precedent that's been overruled. There's, I think there's zero chance in the next 10 years uh, that it could be changed again at the Supreme Court. And so what that means, practically speaking, is if you want to defend abortion rights in America, the only way it's going to happen is through legislation at the state level, perhaps at the federal level. And that's why changing minds is important. You can no longer say we should have abortion rights because the Supreme Court says we can. You can't make that kind of argument from authority anymore. You have to actually now start making arguments about what kinds of rights should be protected by law, even if they're not, if you want to know how the laws should be changed. And so that's part of the reason why we you, you have to think about, like, what will it take to convince the more honest Republicans uh, who, to support this? And, you know, in and fact, 60% uh, yeah. of America doesn't think that abortion should be completely illegal at birth, and they're open to, to change on this. And I think one important thing in thinking about this, because this obviously has very important and fundamental philosophical ramifications, but what this means for America that abortion, uh, that, that over, Roe v. Wade was overturned, 
and it has obviously political implications, but I would encourage everyone when thinking about this, and I think a crucial aspect of persuading the people that can be persuaded is to never lose sight of the concrete, never lose sight of the, of the actual women that will be victims of this decision. They will have to seek unsafe abortions or that will be stuck with a, a child for the rest of her life that she didn't want or that will be uh, tied by having a child to an abusive partner, to someone who raped her. Like there are so many cases in which an abortion uh, would, would have been the right choice, but a woman won't be able to make that choice. And abortion is not an easy decision. Imagine how much harder it is to make it when it is illegal and you are risking your, your freedom and at the person performing the abortion is risking if he's a doctor, which it not, it, it's not always a doctor or a medical professional, they risking losing their license when abortion is illegal. Think about the concrete cases and how this actually affects actual real women that actually exist. And the final activity, uh, though this won't be the final activity, but the final one that I want to mention is coming up at our summer conference, Ocon 2022 in Washington, D.C. Ankar Gatte is going to be giving a lecture on, and I just forgot the title, guys, uh, Dismantling, Dismantling Row. Row. And that will be on Saturday, July 2nd. Um, if you're going to be at the conference, I hope you'll attend that talk. I think you can still right now register to, to watch it online and see all of um, our major talks at Ocon online at events.einrand.org slash Ocon. So I encourage everybody to do that. I encourage everybody to buy Ben's book. I want to thank my colleagues and panelists for today. And be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment, and we will talk to you very soon. Thanks again from everybody at the Ayn Rand Institute. You've been listening to New Ideal, a podcast from the Ayn Rand Institute. If you like what you hear, leave us a review, share with a friend, and subscribe to our other podcasts. This podcast was made possible by donors to the Ayn Rand Institute. Help support this podcast by becoming an ARI member. Go to aynrand.org forward slash membership.